Hey everyone, welcome, happy Wednesday, and uh, welcome to my weekly devotional called Straight from the Heart. I'm Steve Childs, the senior pastor at Chartel Church of God, and I am so glad that you are joining me today. Hey, as you're coming on board, uh, please be sure to put your name in the comments, let me know that you are with me today. I love to hear from my friends across country, and uh, so just stick your name in there, let me know that you're, that you're tuning in, and uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, all that kind of great stuff. Uh, as we're getting started. I want to talk to you about just a couple of things. Um, first of all, I want to mention my, uh, my, my sermon series I just kicked off two weeks ago called The Journey to Freedom. Uh, if you struggle at all with being bound by fear, uh, by worry, by habits you can't break, by addictions that you're struggling with, if, if you find yourself stuck uh, in, in one place or another. I really want to encourage you to, to tap into this series. I kicked it off two weeks ago, a week ago Sunday, with a message called uh, We Were Created for Freedom. We talked about how God uh, made us to be free. And then this past week, I talked about the first steps to freedom. And I've just gotten incredible feedback uh, from people who have, have watched this series or were with us in live or, or, or on, on the internet. And I just want to encourage you, and, and maybe if not for you, uh, maybe for someone that you know that really is struggling with some things, and they just need to know that they can be free. Because God did, did create us for that. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so, again, you can track with us live um, as we're doing that at 9 and 10.30 Central Time on, on, on uh, either uh, our Facebook page for Chartel or at chartelchurch.org, and you can live stream it, or you can always go back uh, to our website and watch the video later. So hope that you will do that. Also, for all of you in the Oklahoma City area, we're so excited. We're going to be kicking off a Celebrate Recovery program uh, on uh, June the 3rd on Thursday nights. It'll have a, we'll have a food, um, have a meal time at 530. They'll have a, a large group uh, worship and teaching at 630, followed by small groups for men and for women. If you are interested in finding a safe place where you can deal with hurts, habits, and hangups, uh, that's your place. Really want to encourage you to, to think about going. If you need more information, just feel free to call us here at the office, okay? A couple weeks ago, um, or uh, last week, I guess, I, I started this uh, three-part series that I'm doing now uh, called um, When God Makes You Wait. And we're talking about being in the waiting room of God, which is never a comfortable place for us to be. Um, but I was looking at the verse uh, that we've been kind of using as our foundation verse from Psalm 3320. And he says, we hope, uh, excuse me, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. And this whole concept kind of kicked off for me when I was writing a devotional on this verse about what does it really mean to wait in hope? Um, you know, I don't like to wait. And I know many of you are like me. I don't, I don't like to wait on traffic. I don't like to wait on my food. <laughs> I don't like to wait when, you know, I'm, I'm buying something and, I, you know, I want it. I want it now. I'm not a big believer in delayed gratification. And it is uh, so interesting how we get like that with the Lord. Um, but he calls us to wait and hope. And last week when I kicked this, this off on, the, on this, I, I talked about why does God make us wait? And I, I gave you several reasons talking about how sometimes God needs to put the pieces in place. Sometimes it's God growing our faith and stretching us. And I, I gave you about five or six different 
different reasons why God makes us wait. And if you missed that, you can go to my personal Facebook page and scroll down and find it. Or again, you can go to my, uh, my, my website, godswordforyoutoday.com. Go down to Straight for the Heart and click on that, and that'll take you back, and you can watch that if you like. Um, today, in the second part, I, I want to talk about um, how not to wait. Um, okay, today I want to talk about how not to wait, and then next week I'll, I'll conclude this three-part series talking about really what does it mean for us to wait in hope? How do we bring hope into our waiting? Uh, I ended last week with a statement that I want to start with today, and that is you don't get to choose if you wait. You only get to choose how you wait. Let me say that again. You don't get to choose if you wait. You only get to choose how you wait. Uh, a few years ago, I was flying back to Oklahoma City um, from somewhere, and I was actually going through Dallas-Fort Worth Airport uh, before I came to Oklahoma City, and um, I got to Dallas, and, and the flight that I was going to be on from Dallas to Oklahoma City, which is just a, barely a, like a 40-minute flight, 45-minute flight, uh, that flight was delayed. They were waiting on the plane. And so instead of having an hour layover, I was going to have a three-hour layover. And it was already into the evening, so I knew I was going to get, you know, get home late that, later that night. And again, you know, like most travelers, when, you know, I, I always carry a backpack and have, always have stuff to do because, you know, sometimes you just never know how you're going to get caught. And uh, so I've always got things that I can work on. But when I got there, got to the gate, and they said it's going to be, you know, three hours before the flight, I had immediately that wave of discouragement that was just kind of like, ha, ah, I don't want to do this. You know, I don't want to just sit here in this airport for three hours. And um, as I was, you know, complaining to myself, I, I turned and I thought, well, I, I need to get something to eat. So I turned and don't you know, right across the, the hallway there uh, from our gate, was a Papado's seafood restaurant. Now, Papado's, in, when I lived in Phoenix, became my favorite seafood place to go to. Great seafood, uh, and I love seafood anyway, but it was, it was it's great seafood, or this is as good as we can get in the Midwest, since we don't live on the coast. And, um, and so I went in, and I said, hey, I gotta, I've got to wait. I'd love to get a dinner and just work for a while. Would that be okay? And they said, oh, yeah, we'll you know, order up, and we'll, you can sit as long as you want. And, man, it was incredible. For the next three hours, I, uh, I ordered seafood, and I popped my computer open, and I started working on sermon series ideas for the year. I started working on programming ideas for the year. Uh, I answered email. I did, I did all that stuff. All the while, I was scarfing down you know, butterfly shrimp and, uh, you know, scallops and, uh, you know, whatever else, you know, was on that humongous platter that I got. And, um, and instead of that being a horrible, frustrating, terrible time uh, that left me discouraged and depleted, by the time my plane came, it was like, oh, wow, is it time already? You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm scurrying out of there and, and getting it. And it was such a great time. And, and, it, and it hit me. I thought about that when I was writing this stuff for today. It's thinking, you know, again, waiting is stuff that sometimes happens. We, we don't get to determine it. You know, sometimes it's just in, in, in the way that God is doing things. And so, you know, we don't get to determine when our prayers are answered or when we get to move forward or when God's going to do what we want him to do. We don't get to choose that. We do get to choose how we wait. And one of the things that hit me is I could have sat in that airport 
uh, I could have sat in one of those very uncomfortable chairs and just simply put my backpack down, sat there with my arms folded, and I could have been miserable for three hours. Or I could gorge on seafood and make it a productive work time to where I go home um, excited about the things that I got done as well as feeling really well because I got to eat some great seafood. Does, does this make sense to you? So if you're in that waiting place with God, how you wait makes the difference. Now, when I was thinking about this, I thought about a couple of different ways that we wait that are not helpful. And I think all of us may tap into these at one time or another. Some of us may lean more into one or the other. But let me, let me give you three ways not to wait. Are you ready? Here we go. First one is this. Um, some of us whine while we wait. Any whiners out there? Um, you know, it, it, it's so interesting how, um, you know, it's so easy to move when we get into that self-pitying mode when we're made to wait, how easy it is to, to start whining, you know, to God. Psalm 13 uh, is a great, great example. Psalm that says, oh Lord, how long will you forget me uh, forever? Will, how long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? How long, how long, how long? You know, whine, whine, whine. And, and all, all, of that, all of that negative energy that we're generating up isn't helping our situation at all. It only takes, think about this, it only takes a tough situation and makes it better. I mean, think think this thought with me for a second. Any of you who have had kids before and you know you're trying to find the hotel or wherever, trying to find a restaurant or you're trying to do that and the people are getting hungry when they when they start whining, when are we going to get there? When are we going to get there? Does that make it better or does that make it worse? Easy answer. It makes it worse. And that gets me to a couple of thoughts. Let me let me just talk about whining for a second, okay? First off, let me go back to what I just said. Whining is childish. Hear my heart. Whenever we start whining to God like the psalmist did, whenever we start whining to God like that, we're being childish. We're not leaning in to maturity in our faith. We're acting like children. Um, think about how Israel did this when God led them out of Egypt. Now, walk with me. Um, Israel was in bondage in Egypt for 400 years, and then God sends Moses to set him free. And God does all of these incredible things. I mean, he, we go through the 10 plagues that God performed and all of the stuff and how he, he led them out and how he got them uh, out of Egypt. And they got to the banks of the Red Sea and the armies were coming after him and they, God parts the Red Sea and he gets the people across and he, he drowns all of their, you know, he saves them time and time again, does miracle after miracle after miracle. But the people continually whine to God about how things weren't the way they wanted them to be. Uh, in fact, because God was giving them, you know, manna, uh, he was trying to take care of them every day, but that manna, manna wasn't enough. I, I love it. It, it, Exodus 16. Just listen to this. This is such human nature. It says, and then the whole company, our whole community of Israel set out from uh, Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of sin between Elam and Mount Sinai. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. Okay, so they've been gone for a month. There too, there too, again, this place as well as every other place that I've been, the whole community of Israel complained 
against Moses and Aaron. And here's what they said. And this, this is unbelievable to me. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. Now, does that not sound like a child in your backseat? Oh, God, I'm so hungry. Mom, when are we going to stop? I'm starving. I'm dying. I mean, oh, that, that's just like a kid. And that's exactly what we do. Whining is just childish. Look at me. I love you. Stop it. <laughs> it doesn't bless God. And whining is not helping you. In fact, let me give you a second part of that. Whining helps us or causes us to develop a victim mentality. Whining causes us to develop a victim mentality. In other words, when we start whining, we start seeing ourselves in that perspective. Uh, the world is out to get me. Fate is out to get me. Life is out to get me. God is out to get me. Everything happens to me. Everybody else is being blessed, and, and, and I'm not. Why is, this, why is this going on? It kind of goes back to I, I read last week from, uh, from Habakkuk, and Habakkuk's, you know, again, complaining to God. He's whining and saying, you know, Lord, I don't get it. You know, the bad guys are winning. Good guys are losing. You're doing good things for them. You're not doing good things for me. And when you start developing that victim mentality, you lose your identity in Christ. You forget who you really are. And that is you're a child of the king. Uh, a victim mentality is absolutely deadly. And that kind of connects me to another thought about that. And that is that whining really opens up this false thinking about God. Uh, this false, these false ideas that, you know, God likes punishing us. God likes torturing us. That, you know, God likes making us suffer or making us wait. And, and, and again, not that sometimes God doesn't withhold his hand because he does. But that is for our good. Not to cause us harm, not, not to do us uh, injustice. It's God's way of helping us to grow up, to be strengthened, or to get us to the place where we really need to be. And, and whining, when we start doing that, it starts taking our mind down uh, a trail that it really shouldn't be on. And the other thing that whining does is whining insinuates that we don't trust God or his timing. I mean, it's just, again, it's like the backseat driver children who are complaining to the parents, aren't we ever going to stop? Aren't we ever, ever going to get something to eat? Are we ever, are we ever going to, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Um, you know, whining, it, it, you know, like, like children, it's like children aren't trusting their parents to act in their best interest. It's the same thing with God. When we start whining us, start whining toward God, what we're telling God is, Lord, I don't trust you. I don't trust your timing. Um, I don't trust your love for me. And uh, can I attach this to this piece? I, I think whining is a really horrible witness for God. Um, you know, for those of us who say that we believe in a God who loved us so much that he would die for us, um, it's a really poor witness for us to whine about God taking his time to give us what we think we need. Does that make sense to you? Whining insinuates, I don't trust you, God. I don't trust your love. I don't trust your timing. Okay. 
Um, that's one way not to, not, to, not to wait. Don't wait by whining. Second thing I'd say to you is some of us, we're, we're, we're worriers while we wait. Um, we, in, instead of just waiting and relaxing in the uh, care, and comfort, and sovereignty of God, we, we worry. Uh, it's, it's as if uh, we just wrap our minds around, well, what if it doesn't happen? And we start down this whole, with this whole thing about, you know, well, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And rather than trusting that God, God holds us, you know, right here in the palm of his hand. And, uh, and he's with us. And it's going to be okay. And, uh, you know, Jesus in, in Matthew 6, I, I love how he describes his care for us. He said, this is why, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in their barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? And listen to this. Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? Let me say that again, that verse again. Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, and yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for these wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Don't worry about these things saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. <laughs> Say that again. Your heavenly father already knows all your needs. So what should you do? Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Now let's be honest. Worry is when we are praying to ourselves. Worry is that those, those times when we take whatever it is that we're afraid of or, or whatever, whatever it is that we're hoping for, and instead of talking to God and laying it at his feet, we talk to ourselves. Oh, I'm not sure this is going to happen. I, I, don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and, and what if the doctor gives me bad news? And, and what if I don't get that job? And, and what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And we, go, we, go, we start down that track. And, and we're not laying our cares at the feet of God who loves us. We're laying our cares at the feet of ourselves. We make ourselves our own God. And worry is praying to ourselves. Um, and, and again... I think we have to push back on that. Uh, I think worry is a very natural tendency for some of us, and we've got to understand what worry does. Can I give you just a couple of thoughts? Worry, worry will suck the life out of you. Worry drains our energy. It just drains our energy. Um, 
You know, you find, tell me, show me someone who's, who's worrying, and I'll show you someone who, who just, at the end of the day, they're exhausted. They, they maybe didn't even leave the house, but they're exhausted. Why? Because it just takes a lot of energy to, to worry. My mom was, was, was one of those, um, you know, my mom was one of those people, she could, she could worry the wallpaper right off the wall, man. And, uh, you know, and it's just so exhausting. It just sucks all the life and energy out of you. Um, the other thing, when, when we're worrying, we're not really thinking about what we're hoping for. Our thoughts are on that which we don't want or what we're afraid of happening. In other words, worry focuses our thoughts in a negative direction. Worry takes our thoughts in a negative direction. And again, it's kind of like when, uh, when, when Peter saw Jesus walking on the water, you remember? And, and Peter says, you know, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out. And Jesus says, come on. And, and so Peter's getting out of the boat. And as long as he's got his eyes on Jesus, he's walking on the water. You know, he's doing what Jesus did. But it says, but as soon as Peter saw the wind and the waves, what happened? He began to sink. Why? He took his, off, his, his eyes off of the goal. He took his eyes off of his hope. He took his eyes off of the faith where, he, where, where his faith should be generated, and he, he looked at that which he was afraid of. And if you stare at what you're afraid of, fear will dominate your life. Um, worry takes our minds in these negative directions. Fear has, has this amplifying effect to it. Yet makes things seem bigger than they are, worse than they are, scarier than they are, uh, more horrible than, than, than they are. Uh, it amplifies all of this stuff. Um, and it takes, it takes our eyes off of God and the hope that we have in him. Which kind of kind of a last thought about worry. And is that worry drains our faith. It just drains our faith. Fear is the antithesis of faith. You focus on what you're afraid of. You focus on your fear. You let worry dominate your life. Can I tell you something? Your eyes will be down here on this horrible stuff rather than up here on the God who is calling you to the future. Now, just look at me. Hear my heart. I don't know what it is that you're praying for. I don't know what it is that you're hoping for. I don't know what it is today that you need from God. But here's what I can tell you. If instead of laying it at God's feet and trusting him, if you instead of waiting in hope, if you wait in worry, it'll drain your energy. It'll take your mind to the dark and negative places. And it'll drain the faith right out of you. Let me give you one more. One more way not to wait. Don't, don't whine. Don't worry. Here's the other thing that we do. Some of us try to force the issue prematurely while we're waiting. In other words, it, it hit me when I started thinking about, you know, what have I found myself doing sometimes when I'm waiting that was not helped? One of the things that hit me is this. Uh, because I'm a, a person of action, um, I'm, I'm one of those, I'm one of those ready, fire, aim kinds of guys. I want to get it done. Sometimes we take 
things into our own hands and we're going to do it ourselves. In other words, we, we pray about it, we ask God for direction, but when God's not giving the direction or God doesn't give a clear answer, if God's not doing this, sometimes we just go, you know what, I'm just gonna do this myself. And here's what I've discovered. When I try to play God in my life, I mess things up. Uh, I end up becoming who I don't want to be. I end up in places I don't want to be at. Uh, I end up with circumstances now that have to be picked up and cleaned up. I, I make a mess of things. And that's what happens. I, it re, I reminded me when I was thinking about this from the story of, of Abraham and Sarah, how God had come to Abraham at, uh, at 75 years of age and said, hey, I'm going to make you a great nation. And he said, I'm going to cause your wife, Sarah, to have a baby and we're going to birth a whole new nation, have this covenant relationship. And it was this beautiful picture. But it was 25 years from the time that God told Abraham that to the time that um, it actually happened. And in that in-between time, uh, you know, nothing was going on. And, they, and Sarah and Abraham were wondering, God, are you ever going to get around to this? And here's what happened. Genesis chapter 16, it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. Now, please hear me with this. God never said, I'm going to give you a child through Sarah's handmaiden. He said, I'm going to give your wife Sarah. But, but, but here's what Sarah said to Abram. The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. Now, she's being real, you know, nice about this um, and, they're and, and, and all that. But it's not, it wasn't the plan of God. And Abram agreed with Sarah's, Sarah's proposal. And so Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian girl, and he gave her to Abram as a wife. And if you remember the story, uh, you know, Hagar ends up having this, this, this son named Ishmael, and, and, it, and it, it caused all kinds of problems and ended up Hagar having to leave the household with Ishmael. And, and it has caused problems to this day because Abram didn't wait on God and Abram and Sarah tried to force the hand of God because God was just taking too long for them. Just hear my heart. This is what we do. Um, when we get tired of waiting on God, sometimes we just say, fine, I'm going to do it myself. And when we do, we mess it up. We mess it up. You know, Jesus, in, in, in the book of John, there is a phrase that Jesus uses over and over again. He says, my time has not yet come. Um, his disciples and his family wanted him to reveal himself earlier than Jesus was ready to do it. And he kept saying, my time has not yet come. When he began to begin his ministry, there were people who wanted to make him the king and rally their stuff around him. And Jesus said, my time has not yet come. When religious leaders got jealous of Jesus, they were going to kill him. And Jesus knew that one day he would die, but he would only die in the time of God. And they said, my time has not yet come. It wasn't until I think he was in the garden, it was at the end of his life when Jesus said, my time has come. There is a timing in the work of God. And we do have to learn how to wait on that timing. Um, these are destructive kinds of waiting. When we whine 
when we worry, and when we try to take matters into our own hands and play God ourselves. That's how not to wait. And my guess is some of us are probably struggling with some of that today. And uh, again, I'll confess to you, I'm not a good waiter. I am not a person who likes to sit back and wait for God to move. Sometimes I want to be the person of action and say, I just want to get it done. And I've had to learn the hard way at times to slow down and wait on God to do his work, his way, in his time. And maybe some of you are struggling with that today. So can I pray for you? Father, I just say thank you so much for this time today. And uh, Lord, sometimes it's hard to hear when we, when we talk about the ways that we aren't doing things right. And uh, waiting on you is one of the things we don't get right sometimes. Instead of being patient with you, we, we whine and complain. And we allow that kind of attitude to take over our life. We begin to worry. Uh, we begin to pray to ourselves and and. Uh, go over and over in our mind and paint worst case scenarios and let anxiety take over our lives. And sometimes, Lord, we even take matters into our own hands. And God, today, I have no doubt that there are some people who are watching uh, that are in your waiting room. I have no doubt that there are people who are going to watch this video later and they're in your waiting room and they need to let go of these things. So, Father, I pray, help us to stop whining. Help us to stop going down that path of complaining and, and to lean into praise instead of complaining. Uh, Father, I pray that you would help us to stop worrying uh, like Jesus, to, just to begin to uh, look at you and begin to realize how much you really do care for us. And if you've done all of this, you'll take care of that. And to, instead, of, instead of panicking, pray. And God, help us to take our hands off. Um, sometimes we want to manipulate the future, and we can't. Uh, Lord, whenever we get ahead of you, we make a mess of things. And so, Father, again, teach us the art of waiting in hope. Lord, we love you so much. I pray that you would just uh, put your hand upon the shoulder of each person who watches this video and that you would remind them today that you love them more than they could possibly imagine. And you have not brought them this far to abandon them now. Help us to wait on you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, well today I talked about uh, three ways not to wait. Next week uh, I'm going to talk about really what does it mean to hope while we wait and how can we center ourselves in hoping instead of worrying and whining and trying to take charge we're going to talk about that next wednesday thanks again for joining me uh, god bless you if anybody wants a copy of my notes on any of this please feel free uh, let me know in the comments or send me an email be happy to uh, send you any of this that you can use either to reflect on for yourself uh, or to teach on your own love you guys so much thanks again for watching god bless you we'll see you soon